Welcome to the Mortal Art Podcast. I'm your host, Eldin. This is episode 24, Art Stories number 3, The Ivory Figurines of Vogelhurt Cave. You can support this podcast on Patreon, have an early access to episodes, vote for the next bonus episode, and get transcripts of each episode. All of that for as little as $1. You can donate directly to Spotify. The links are below, so be sure to check them out. Subscribe and follow this podcast on your favorite podcast app. Reach me at the mortalartpodcast at gmail.com. Please rate this podcast or leave a like on YouTube. Thank you. I also want to share a video from one of my students who creates interesting and funny animation. The link of my student's YouTube channel is in the episode description. I would like to remind you that if you are listening to this podcast on Spotify, it is a video and there are photographs of artworks I mention in each episode. Little update. I'm happy how this podcast is growing. I have several thousand downloads and the audience around the world. Sometimes I get a mail or two and I reply to every single one of them and I'm grateful for those. They're very supportive mails and very kind in their message and content. Thank you. Not yet a single mail with a question that I can read on the podcast. I get some mails that are not kind and I reply to them too. I believe that those who don't want to listen to my voice, accent or content have the choice not to listen to my podcast at all. It will save your time. Thank you supporters on Patreon. Those who don't want to have my shout out on the podcast, I have to say that it makes me sad, but you get my email of gratitude, even those who donate money just once. I have recorded few dialogues and I will publish them soon. Yeah, that's about it. Let me now talk about the immortal art. When we think about prehistory, the nature of these ancient times and their stories is what we cannot have. How many artifacts and artworks are lost to time? When we think about the beginnings of any epoch of art, whether it is Celtic art, which began two and a half thousand years ago, or Chinese art, or any other, their beginnings can be traced to these early prehistoric artists. It is only that it took tens of thousands of years to develop a certain style and culture. It is important to understand these artists, our ancestors. For instance, examining an axe or bone tools from Africa a million years ago, we will see the evolution to refined Paleolithic axe and later to the bronze axe. The art, the statues, the drawings and etchings on cave walls, they just pop out into existence. We have the oldest stone carvings from 75,000 years ago in South Africa and the next statue is made 40,000 years ago in Europe. So, between 75,000 years ago and 40,000 years ago, there is no artworks. Either we didn't discover them or they are lost forever. I don't think that prehistoric people lost the need to create for 30,000 years. That's my opinion. We simply don't know. The artist or artists who made the first symbols on a rock carving or drawing in caves around the world had already been a reflective ape for a million years. 
We told stories to each other through physical symbols of art and with storytelling. A man or a woman from the Paleolithic era is not very different physically from ourselves today. Maybe they were slightly more fit, but that's it. Their mental capacity was the same as ours. It is just that our history, our relationship with technology, didn't happen to these people yet, and their understanding of the world is very, very different from ours. They didn't have the experience of our collective history. Their language, more than the control of fire or technology itself, increased the speed of cultural evolution. The ability to do everything with the right hand is very important because it's the left portion of the brain that we use for the speech. Our ancestors' language made us use symbols. Without symbols, there is no art. I talked about it in episode 13. If you didn't listen to it, check it out. For example, the ape will scream when they see a lion, while symbol is there to stand for a lion when there is none. Attempts to recreate the world of these people, to imagine their world and all the extinct animals of the Ice Age, and to imagine their language too, also make them even more remote to us. But I think that their art, their humanity through art, makes them much closer to us. All the tools that we discovered, and all the art, implies the use of symbols, language, and storytelling. It is interesting to see how the certain artistic elements are similar to each other. They all transcend time. They all grappled with the fundamental human urge to create and communicate, giving us glimpse into their lives. That is why it is important for me to introduce Paleolithic art to the broader audience. Maybe you already knew about it, maybe you never heard about it. In any case, I hope you enjoy the chronology of history of art that I made for you. I find it interesting that the caves where we found these artworks, the Lion Man, the Adorant mentioned in the previous episode, and the figurine of oldest female, commonly known as a Venus figurine, are very close to each other, both geographically and in their timelines. The proximity between Hochlandstein and Vogelherr Cave is less than 2 kilometers, while the Geysen Klosterle Cave is around 35 kilometers away. The journey from one cave to another for our ancestors would have been within a day's walk. It raises questions that we may never answer, but it's interesting to fantasize about them. Were they part of the same tribe? Were they enemies? Did they share a common language? Or how did they communicate? Over time, did people move from one cave to another? Were they same people? Were they different tribes? Different clans? After all, we are highly interbreed species. We are all related to each other. These people were definitely in contact with each other. If you see the map of the area, you will see that this area is a very good place to live in Ice Age Europe. It has shelters, such as caves. The region is close to the Danube River and all the ancient creeks and small rivers from glaciers of the Alps must have run through this area where they could fish. They had the access to the raw stone material for production of tools. 
the valleys around this area had a lot of animals that our ancestors hunted. Those caves were occupied for thousands of years, a concept difficult to comprehend. Between 40 to 10,000 years, the cave was inhabited by people. Try to imagine, 3,000 years ago, Rome, yes, Rome, was just a village. And even further back, a civilization was emerging along the Nile River. My point is that these people lived for long as our civilization has risen, plus 20,000 years. And their world changed very little, almost to nothing. Same technology, same culture, almost same expression in art. We are so remote from them that our technology would seem as magic to them. I wonder what technology will emerge in 30,000 years from now. How many artistic processes and artistic expression we wouldn't be able to comprehend. Just imagine that. So when I speak about these people, I often think of them as we are today. We have jealousy, conflicts, dialogues, we have romance, we have secrets. Everything that you can imagine that you do, those people did it too. Only technology and culture is different. They had the same feelings, loneliness, love, sadness. They have their own beliefs and rituals, traditions. And all of those people, with all of their lives, whatever they did, they're equal now, dead, without faces, and lost to time. All of their aspirations, ambitions, needs, wants, desires, is lost to us. Is our lives going to be remote and distanced to the future generation in 30,000 years? So when I speak about these people, I speak about their artworks. They indeed tell us a lot about the origins of art in general, and I say European art in specific. The Vogelherd cave is located in Germany. In 1931, archaeologist Hermann Mohn discovered Flintstone flakes in the Badger's Den, leading to an excavation by paleo-historian Gustav Reich. The cave yielded tools, artifacts, and mammoth ivory figurines. In 2005, new excavations aimed to explore waste material from Reich's dig. Modern methods made discoveries, including a mammoth figurine in 2006. The excavations until 2012 revealed 217,000 stone artifacts, 479 kilograms of bones, 28 kilograms of mammoth ivory jewelry, 1,713 tools, and a total of 11 tiny figurines. Flutes made from bird bones and ivory were also uncovered. Attributed to our Ignatian and Magdalenian culture, but not Gravatian in between, which means there are several phases of occupation of the cave that we know of. Maybe future excavations and archaeologists will prove us differently. Anyway, these mammoth ivory sculptures are among humanity's oldest artworks. The site, with its cultural significance and the role of Paleolithic art and culture, became a UNESCO World Heritage Site in 2017. These statuettes are the oldest depictions of animals in archaeology, not hybrids between humans and animals, just animals. They are very small, 
and could be carried around. People also crafted flutes from bird bones, which means that they had music. The scale of note on these ancient flutes is not very different of flutes throughout the world, whether from the more recent past or contemporary times. These flutes are the same age as figurines. The Vogelherd cave is a small cave with a Y-shaped structure, each entrance aligned with the point of the letter. The central area served as a living space for the inhabitants. From what I've seen in the photographs in the books and on Google Earth, the cave is positioned on a slight elevation and all the entrance provide views overlooking a meadow. The cave is now encircled by fields and forest and a highway as well. So envisioning its appearance 30,000 years ago is a bit challenging. Around this cave, there are indications that these people build makeshift tents. These structures are relatively basic in construction. The protective layers of the tents were probably crafted from the hides of mammoth, and the base was in the shape of a circle, probably made from the bones and stones. Now I will talk about statues. I wonder if they were spirits of the clan, of the tribe. Were they some kind of a shamanistic devices? Were they toys for the children? Storytelling devices for the children? We can only guess. The statues, ranging from 7 to 3 centimeters in length, all bear tiny axes and crosses. Perhaps these markings indicated where to aim spears and arrows, maybe even some story where a hunter wounded the animal. It is a symbolic language lost to us. Nobody knows what they meant. The animal carvings from the cave are naturalistic. When we see these figurines, we think of the power and the force of nature. The lion, for example, has its ear all the way back, representing aggressiveness. The majestic mammoth is in movement. The horse is in some sort of jump or gallop. The horse is quite a different animal from the stocky horses in the later cave paintings. The arch and the curves of horse are graceful. The horse statue can easily fit in the palm of the adult hand. For a child, it would be a different scenario. That's why I said it might have been a toy. One would think that these people were very fascinated with scary, dangerous and life-threatening animals. But recent discoveries from the same area show that these people had less aggressive animal figurines, such as hedgehogs and fishes. It throws a wrench into our perception of how our ancestors perceived the world around them. It seems there was no specific theme in their art. I imagine, by the cave fire, a group of kids gathers around the watchful eye of Elara, the medicine woman. She had a staff with a deer head on it, a clan spirit animal. They are summoned for the clan ceremony, the first step before accompanying adults into the forests when they were always forbidden to go. The clan was blessed with eleven children of the same age. All have survived their seventh and eighth winter. And the time has come.
Elara takes her flute and starts to play. From her bag, she retrieves a small ivory statue. With her hands, she carved all animals from each child. Wolves, bears, forest cats, symbols of survival, wisdom and cunning. Randomly throwing all the statues, the animals find their way into the hands of eager children. The cave flickers with the warmth of fire and the tales of the wild. Elara speaks of a wise old she-mammoth guiding her herd through the plains, a fierce lion guarding its territory against rivals, a majestic elk with mighty antlers that whistles in the air as he runs. Sparing no words, Elara shares primal stories that echoes through the quiet cave, tales of predators and prey, of delicate dance between life and death. The children absorb the primal wisdom, the myths, and the legends of the clan, their eyes reflecting the flickering flames and the shadows dancing on the cave walls. As kids tend to be, they exchange glances, examining each other's chosen animal. Not all are content with the totemic companions. Some children yearn for the might of a cave lion, the grandeur of a mammoth. Discontent brews among the youngsters, and a few, dissatisfied with the assigned creatures, quietly discard their carvings into the forest after the lesson. Jealousy grows among the children. Some of those who disregard their animals steal other statuettes. Children fight amongst themselves. Some children get their animals back through the fist fighting. Elara knows about it. It happens every time, and it's designed to see what roles children will be given after the ceremony. After a few days, Elara and the wise elderly shaman named Yem gather the children again and ask them to retell the story of their animal. The children had to come, one by one, and tell the story in front of the whole clan. A few of the children are eager to tell their stories, maybe even too eager, which excites Yem. They could be new shamans. Elara and Yem observe with satisfaction as the youngsters bring the stories to life. After the first child tells the story, Yem asks for the statuette back. Some children panic and run away. With torches in their hands, they search for their statues in the forest. They panic. The cave echoes with laughter and the rhythmic footstep of a dance, music and storytelling. The medicine woman sees potential hunters, future shamans and guardians of the fire emerging among the children. All the children who threw away their statuettes came back, panting and sweating, but they all have their statuettes with them. When the ceremony is over, the adults are pleased with their children. Their older siblings are making fun of them, teasing them. Jem raises his hand and the whole clan goes silent. Elara, holding a torch, steps forward. Fear not, for the spirits have chosen their roles for you, she proclaims. 
Those who have kept the animals safe, tend to them in the dark, tend to them during the day. You may follow and learn the ways of our hunters. She takes her staff and points at them. Those who have lost and found their statues in the forest, you may follow and learn the ways of our trackers. The only one who lost his statue will guard the fire, for fire you shall not lose easily. And the one among you who told the most captivating story, you shall be our shaman, you shall be the link between the living and the spirit world. Go with Yem and live in his tent, and his tent will be yours when he goes with the spirits. She points at the granddaughter of the shaman. And you, you may follow and learn the ways of medicine. She points at her knees. Children are happy, laughing and jumping around. Their parents cheer and clap. I hope you like my imagination of the story behind the creation of these statues. Write me a mail and tell me what you think. I will appreciate it. Thank you. This concludes this episode. I don't know what else to say in this episode. I want to thank you for joining and listening. I hope I inspired you. I hope you learned something. The music is performed by my friend Sebastian. You can check his band Cadavera. There is a link below. Enjoy the song. Until the next time. Mm -hmm.